Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So we're going to carry on from Acts 26, verses 1 to 8, and that's on page 1737. And this is when Paul is before Agrippa. Uh, chapter 26, verses 1 to 8. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defence. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defence against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customers and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is a promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? And then carry on chapter 6, verses 24 to 29. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defence. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Uh, sorry. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Thank you so much, uh, Matt. Now, some of you may have once talked to a friend who wasn't a Christian and you told them about Jesus and they said, I'm not believing in that. If God wants me to become a Christian, he should be right in front of me and do a miracle and then I'd believe, okay? Um, now, one of these very, very strange things in the Bible and the puzzling things about miracles is that even though they happened, even though they shone a big spotlight on Jesus, not everyone believed in him. So, for example, when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, the Jewish leaders knew it had happened. They said, everyone knows he's done an outstanding miracle and lots of people are believing in him, but they wouldn't. Isn't that interesting? In fact, it was because of that miracle that they worked really hard to get Jesus killed. 
because they knew the miracle happened. So many people don't believe in Jesus through miracles and many people don't actually believe miracles happened at all. Today, people might hear stories of miracles, but they don't believe them. And what they say is this. They say, miracles are unscientific. Now, what do they mean by that? Okay, so to explain, I think I should try and look like a scientist. So here's my lab coat, all right, that I'm putting on. Hands up if you wear one of these to work. Does anyone here wear a lab coat to work? Any scientists among us who do that? No? Okay, all right. Now, scientists, of course, are people who study our world and they try and explain what happens. So they look at things through microscopes and they do experiments with bubbling orange liquid and they make lots of discoveries that help us. Science has given us wonderful things like medicines to make us better and wonderful technology like um, our phones and our satellites and our flat screen televisions. Okay. The reason why scientists can study our world and the reason why they can make such great discoveries is because things keep happening in our world in the same way. So every time you heat up water, right, if you heat it enough, it will turn to steam every time. And that's called a scientific law. So science involves studying our world and coming up with scientific laws, laws which describe how our world works. And that's a great thing to do. We can do it because God made an ordered world where things happen in the same ordered way, and also he put us in charge of the world, and therefore we can study it. But not everyone believes in God. Here's what some people think. They, they think, the laws of nature describe everything that happens. Miracles can't be described by the laws of nature because miracles break the laws of nature. But because the only things that happen are described by the laws of nature, they say, miracles can't happen. Miracles are unscientific. Miracles don't exist. And then they say, therefore, anyone who says miracles happen, well, they don't know what they're talking about. They're ignorant people. They're gullible people. They're people who don't know anything, and they'll easily believe anything that anyone tells them. Is that right? Okay. Well, there are lots of people who are scientists who believe in God. Here are some of them. Okay. Now... Up on the left, does anyone know who that is? Isaac Newton. Does anyone know what he discovered? Yeah? Gravity. Well done. Well done. He described the forces of gravity. Over there, does anyone know who that is? Michael Faraday. Does anyone know what Michael Faraday discovered? Electricity. That's right. He did a lot of work with electricity and chemistry, and from his discoveries came the electric motor and later on television because of that guy over there. Okay. Sorry, just go back. Okay, who's the, who's the nutty professor up there? Yeah, do you know? Albert Einstein. Okay. He believed in God as well, and he actually kept pictures of Michael Faraday and Isaac Newton on his study wall. They were also people who were Christians who believed in God. On the right there, does anyone know who that is? That's a harder one. Mary Not Mary Curie? Henrietta Levitt, who was a Christian female astronomer who was the first person to work out how far stars were from Earth. What a wonderful scientific lady she was. She's a Christian. 
Even in this church, there's people who are notable scientists in Adelaide. Let's have a look. So there's Big Toe. These, these guys, um, well, the first two go down the city. So he's a hematologist. So he studies blood and blood cancers. He's a professor in that. Then you've got Rob Norman, and he's, he runs a whole clinic on reproductive health and IVF technology. You've got Dan Pete over there, and um, Dan he goes to Trinity Bay, and he researches oxygen in mammals. Are there any other scientists here? Okay, so Mike over here, your expertise is in? Water. Water, something we need a lot of, okay. Um, okay, so there are scientists who are Christians, okay? Um, put your hand up if you did a science degree of some sort. Quite a lot of us, okay, myself included. And keep your hand up if you're a Christian. <laughs> and happily so. Okay, very, very good. So simply, it's simply not true that all scientists don't believe in miracles. Many, many good scientists, outstanding scientists, world-class scientists, uh, the scientists at top of their field in the world believe in God and believe in miracles. I was listening to an interview with the lady who is in charge of astronomy in NASA. Okay? She is a Christian lady, um, but she loves science and astronomy. You know, when Jesus lived, people still knew something of the laws of science, even though it was 2,000 years ago, and they weren't quick to believe just what they were told. Think of Mary herself, or the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah. When the angel told Mary that she would become pregnant, and when the angel told Zechariah that his elderly wife would become pregnant, both knew that this wasn't normal. Uh, Mary knew it, it took a mummy and a daddy to make a baby, but there'd be no human daddy. And Zechariah knew it, it generally didn't happen to an older woman. So both of them asked, how can this be? They knew the science. Think of Thomas, Jesus' disciple. He was unwilling to believe that someone really could rise from the dead unless he saw it with his own eyes. He knew that dead men don't rise. In the book of Acts, when the believers were praying for Peter's release and God miraculously answered their prayer and Peter knocked on the door and the servant girl answered and um, the people wouldn't believe it because those things normally don't happen. And so she went back inside and left him there still knocking. It was very funny. Okay. But just because they don't normally happen doesn't mean that they didn't happen. They did. And that's what made these things miracles. The Bible and history is full of smart people, even scientists, who aren't silly, but who believe in miracles. Okay? It's wrong to think miracles, uh, people who believe in miracles are stupid, and people who believe in miracles just listen to whatever anyone tells them. That's not true. So, why do they believe in miracles, but other scientists don't? Because they know that the universe is an open system, not a closed system. Let me explain. We just saw a music video. Wasn't that fun? That was pretty fun, of that amazing machine where the car set off the dominoes, which set off a whole chain reaction. Some scientists imagine the world exactly like that. One thing starts it, but then there's a whole chain reaction and the world and life happens. It's a bit like this mousetrap game over here. Okay, so some of you will remember the mousetrap game. Now, we tried to get this one working beforehand. It was a bit tricky. Actually, that's the whole thing about the mousetrap game. It doesn't always work. Well, so anyway, so it sets off a chain reaction and 
under normal conditions, the ball will come down and then it will land in this thing and it will take it up there and that ball will make it into that thing, which will fall down and then it won't get stuck because this is a replacement ball, but it will drop on here and then, and then the mousetrap will go, go fall down. Okay. You'll remember the mousetrap game. Okay. If that's all the world was, without any outside forces changing anything, that would be a closed system. Scientists who don't believe in God think like that. They say God isn't outside of it. The laws of nature determine everything that happens inside. But I want you to look at that closed system. Okay, who set it up? We did. We're outside of that system. Okay, who moved back the first thing to get it going? I did. Okay, we could reach in and interrupt that at any point as it was going and change what happened, just like in the video. Okay, remember at the end there was a big cheer from all the people who were watching, all those university physics students who'd set up the whole thing, all right? They were outside of the system, okay? If they wanted to, as the machine was doing its thing, they could have thrown something in from outside to change things. That's an open system. An open system believes that someone is outside the system. God is there. And he could interrupt, he could come in, step in, interrupt the normal way things happen. He could do something different. He could do a miracle. Everyone in the world has to say that a miracle is at least possible. Let me show you what I mean. Okay. I want you to imagine that the circle that I'm about to draw is the total of all knowledge, okay, that you could ever have. That, everything in that circle describes everything that happens in our world. But no one knows that, do they? I mean, you might be this big, and if you study really hard, you know all these things in here. Okay. Now, you have to at least admit the possibility that God exists, okay? Um, Many scientists say, God doesn't exist, okay? How do you know? Because the knowledge of God existing could be outside of how much you know. So you actually have to admit that at least there's a possibility that God exists. And if you admit that at least there's a possibility that God exists, you have to say he could interrupt the system and make a miracle happen. Okay? The only way you could know that God didn't exist, if he didn't exist, is if you knew everything, and that would make you God, and your argument self-destructs. <laughs> Do you understand? Okay. So everyone has to admit that there's the possibility that God exists. Okay, why couldn't God decide to do a miracle if he wanted to? Um, everyone knows something about God. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his word day after day. You know from the night sky that God is real. Um, why couldn't God do a miracle if he wanted to? That's what Paul said to, said to King Agrippa. Why should you, any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? If you say God's real, then it's reasonable that God could raise the dead. Even if it only happened once, you can't say because it never normally happens, it could never happen. So that means miracles are possible. Even likely, if God wants to save us from this world into a better one. And that means that when we study miracles, it's not a matter of science, it's a matter of history. Trying to see if they really happened. And they did. Acts 2. This man was accredited 
by God to you by signs, wonders and miracles, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Uh, What Peter was proclaiming wasn't anything new. People knew that Jesus did miracles. Or Paul to Festus, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has, has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner, you see. These things were known by people, even by the leaders of the land, to have happened. Now, thankfully for us, the greatest miracle of all has the best historical evidence. And we're going to look at that in the next talk. The next Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting on verse 1. And it can be found in the church Bibles on page 1787. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of, of the brothers and sisters, at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Okay, thanks, Angie. Now, To be a Christian, you have to believe in miracles. Why is that? Because a Christian is someone who confesses with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead. Okay, so to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, never to die again, is to believe in a miracle. It's not normal. No one else has ever done it. That's what makes it a miracle. Christianity stands or falls on this. Later on in chapter 15 uh, of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is pointless. There's no forgiveness. Those who have already died believing in Christ are not saved. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. So the resurrection of Jesus is the centerpiece of everything we believe. If it happened, then we have forgiveness, we have resurrection hope, we know that Jesus is the saviour of us all from otherwise certain death and judgment. We know he is the Lord with all authority. He's our glorious and wonderful hope. If it didn't happen, we are playing Disneyland here. Okay, if we believe in God who cares enough to save us from a world of pain and death, then it's entirely reasonable that God raised Jesus from the dead. As Paul said, why would you think it incredible that God raised the dead? So, how do you work out if it happened? Well, if it's a miracle, what happened to him was a one-off. It's not open to scientific study because science studies things that can be repeated and tested. So you just can't conduct an experiment and get 50 sinless sons of God to die on a cross and bury them and see how many raised to life three days later and work out whether that's a statistically significant figure. Okay, you can work out, however, if it happened to one, not by science, but by history. Uh, This is why I love Christianity. It's not just an idea, it's not a moral code, 
It's all about what God has done in human history to save people from death and judgment. And because it's in history, it's open to be tested. There are five facts that are reasons to believe why the resurrection really happened. Number one. Oh, sorry, closed open. That was the closed open system. Sorry. Have we got another one? Mousetrap game. Let's keep moving on. Do you have any for, for number three? Okay, well, there you go. I beg your pardon. Sorry. <laughs> Pressure on the poor person on PowerPoint. All right. Five facts. You ready? Number one. Jesus was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Okay? The f okay, that's the first fact. After Jesus was crucified and died, he was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. This was witnessed by Nicodemus, by Joseph of Arimathea, by Mary Magdalene, by Mary the mother of Jesus. Uh, the tomb was guarded by Roman soldiers who would have been killed if they abandoned their post, which means that no one could have stolen the body of Jesus, not the disciples, not anyone. First fact, he was buried in the tomb. Secondly, the tomb was found to be empty. That is the big one. If you watch detective shows, the sure way that you can prove someone is still dead is if you see their dead body. In the case of Jesus, there were lots of people who wanted to prove that Jesus really was dead. The chief priests wanted to prove it. The Romans wanted to prove it. Pontius Pilate wanted to prove it. All they had to do was to go to the tomb and bring out Jesus' dead body and wave it in front of people. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it because they couldn't. Okay? Their inaction on this stuck out, sticks out like snail's eyes. All right. <laughs> they didn't do it because they couldn't. Because there was no dead body of Jesus. He had risen. On the third day, you see, the women went to the tomb. They wondered how they were going to roll the stone away because they'd seen it being rolled in place. When they got there, the stone was already rolled away. The Roman guards had fled. The grave clothes, which were covered by more than 15 kilograms of spices, were folded. An angel was there announcing the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So, first fact, he was buried. Secondly, the tomb was found to be empty. Thirdly, Jesus was said to have appeared to many people on at least eight different occasions. Now, we heard some of them in the reading from 1 Corinthians. That's part of the good news. Jesus didn't just appear once and then vanish to heaven. He appeared several times over, over a period of about 40 days to his disciples, giving convincing proofs to them that he was alive. Now, some people have said, oh, the disciples were so grief-stricken, they hallucinated in their grief, just wanting Jesus to be back, and then they all just hallucinated. All right, did they hallucinate? No. On one occasion, Jesus appears before 500 people at the same time. Everyone witnessed it. You cannot get 500 people, even if they've taken LSD, um, all hallucinating the same thing at the same time. Why didn't he just show himself to Jewish leaders? That's a good question. Why didn't Jesus appear before Herod or Pontius Pilate or Caesar himself? I used to wonder this. I thought that would have been a good move, wouldn't it, Jesus? You know, that would have been very convincing to a whole lot of rulers around the world. Why limit his appearance just to his disciples? Two reasons. Number one, because seeing Jesus wouldn't have persuaded those rulers to believe in him. Jesus said in Luke 16, if people will not listen to the Bible, to Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even if someone rises from the dead. It's one thing to see Jesus, it's another thing to decide to turn your life over to him. 
Okay, the second reason why he didn't, uh, he just appeared to the disciples was because he gave the disciples a particular job. Uh, the disciples, those who were with him for all those years, were to spread the news about him. They had to be convinced he was alive. That's why he limited his appearances to convincing them so that they would believe and then they'd be able to convince other people. All right. And they did carry the news to the nations. The fourth point is, within weeks of his death, the disciples all believed in the resurrection and were changed. Something had to account for them to change, even if he didn't rise from the dead. You know, what, what possibly changed them from being a group of f afraid, um, you know, petrified, uh, ultimately a disbanded group, because they all ran away, to boldly standing in front of the very Sanhedrin, the court that condemned Jesus and saying, you murdered the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Something changed them. Um, okay. How do you account for that boldness except that they were personally convinced that it was true? Not only that, they kept believing, they kept proclaiming, and none of them cracked, even when they started losing their lives. So, four points. All right, what have we got? He was buried in a tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. That tomb was found to be empty. Jesus was said to have appeared to many people on at least eight occasions. Um, within weeks of his death, all his disciples believed in the resurrection and were changed. And number five, that is exactly what had been predicted by Scripture and Jesus himself. That is the final bit of evidence. Um, I used to gloss over this in 1 Corinthians. Now it's becoming more and more significant for me. The scriptures foretold that this would happen beforehand. Isaiah 53, 730 years beforehand. Psalm 22, 1,000 years beforehand. Psalm 89, Psalm 16, to name a few obvious ones. Jesus himself kept telling his disciples he would suffer, be handed over to be crucified, but on the third day I would be raised to life. Now that is very powerful. It tells us what happened, though so unexpected, was in fact expected. And that brings us back to our question. People say miracles are unscientific. In other words, you can't expect the unexpected to happen. You can't expect anything to happen outside of the laws of science. But what if someone predicts that the unexpected will happen? Hundreds of years before, something so unexpected that only God could explain it. And then what if that thing happens? Suddenly, scientists are now forced to sit up and take notice and to listen and to acknowledge they cannot explain everything and that God is real and that Jesus is someone they cannot ignore and should not ignore because his resurrection proves that he is the saviour. It proves he's the Lord with ultimate authority. It proves he is our hope, our great hope. You've been very patient. It's hot. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, that you set up the world. You care for us through it. But sometimes you step in and you change things. And thank you so much you did it in the case of Jesus. Uh, we love the fact that it happened in history. And we love the fact that we can believe it and not be stupid for doing so. May more people believe it. Amen.